was going to read from Philippians this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can open there. Philippians verse 4 through verse 7. Uh, again, some of you have heard uh, these verses. Some of you might have memorized these verses. Uh, just to give us some, some very brief context, what I want you to keep in mind as I read these is that Paul wrote these when he was in prison uh, to give us some perspective on what we're, what we're reading. That it's crazy, he tells us to rejoice twice in the first verse, and he's in prison. Um, but, but to see, as we've talked about, you know, kind of pain, suffering, uh, day two, yesterday, uh, to, to think about, as Paul is telling us, not to be anxious. Like, he's writing this in a time and in a place where he was probably being tempted to be very anxious. So just keeping that in mind as we read this. Um, If you would, please stand for the reading of God's word, and then you guys can can have a seat. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7, this is God's word. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Y'all can be seated, and I'll pray for us. Lord, we, we thank you for another day of life. We thank you for your grace and your goodness. You sustained us through the night. You gave us air to breathe. You gave us hearts that are beating, and you brought us to this point, and you have has been bestowing grace upon you because of your good and gracious character. We, we thank you for the grace of your word. We thank you for the power that your word uh, contains. We thank you that we can read a few verses like that. We can think about our, our brother, Paul, all those years ago in the, in, midst, in the midst of all of that suffering and persecution that marked so much of his life, to read those verses, to see that there is a joy that we can share in, that that doesn't make sense when we're going through tough trials in our lives, that by your grace, you can give us this peace, even when our circumstances are telling us there is no peace. Spirit, I pray that you would help us to hear the truth of God's word today. I pray uh, that you would take the truth of God's word and apply it in the hearts of all of those who are are present, myself included. That you would help us to see the glory of God, the goodness of God, the fatherly character of God, uh, the grace of God. All of that even in the midst of a broken world, uh, that can cause us uh, to forget that. Uh, Please please encourage us this morning. Please protect us from the evil one. Uh, Help us uh, to focus as we are all weary. I pray that we would focus and see uh, God's goodness above all else, that you would be magnified and worshiped. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. All right, so today we're going to be answering this question, how should we deal with worry? Um, As I mentioned, uh, day two and day three, we kind of looked at 
There's a theology of pain. We talked about anxiety being an aspect of pain, a part of pain. Um, it led somebody to change the title of the class, Stressed Out Because of John Parrott. So I'm sorry if I've caused more stress in your life. But I hope it's been helpful to, to hear that, to think about what God's Word says and God's Word not sugarcoating life in a broken world. And so what I want to do today is to give you seven truths from Scripture to encourage you as you go back home. Because, you know, these conferences are awesome. I love these conferences. I can remember coming to student conferences as a student and then bringing my youth group here and still today just enjoying these conferences. But it, it's tough at the same time because these conferences give you a break from reality and when the end of the week comes, you've got to go back home to reality. And so maybe some of you now are thinking about what's waiting for you when you get back home. And maybe it's already causing you some anxiety. And some of you are thinking, well, thanks, God, John, you're doing it again. You're stressing me out. <laughs> um, well, hopefully as you go home, I'm giving you some truths to help you. Because listen, I'm not saying all of our anxiety is here, but some of our anxiety is due to the fact that we are sinners, and we are also sufferers. There's a guy named Mike Inlet, I think he has a book back there that talks about that. That we have to see that some of our anxiety is due to the fact that our own sinful heart is screaming lies at us all the time. But then, some of our anxiety is due to the fact that other people make us suffer. Other people make life miserable for us. Other people say harsh things to us. Other people do harsh things to us. And so to see God's word has power and has truth that can indeed encourage us in the midst of that. And so that's the, the goal today is to give you these seven truths. And so the first one is, is this. You will have to deal with worry, okay? You will have to deal with worry. And some of you are like, John, you're just such an encourager. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, look, and again, this is where my mind often goes, movies. Uh, how many, actually I should say, how many of you have not seen The Incredibles? That'd probably be, just curious. That's your homework assignment. Go home and watch The Incredibles uh, when you get home. Um, this part of the movie, these will be spoilers. I mean, it's been out, what, 20 years, so I think there's a spoiler limit. I mean, once it reaches a certain amount of time, you can just spoil the mess out of it. The very end of the movie, Syndrome has kidnapped Jack-Jack, and is, you know, going up into the jet, and Jack-Jack loses his mind and starts attacking Syndrome, and Syndrome's screaming. Syndrome gets sucked into the jet engine of an airplane. It is a kid's movie, by the way. Um, but he gets sucked into the jet engine of the airplane. Elastigirl is thrown up into the air by Mr. Incredible, grabs Jack-Jack, and parachutes down. As she's parachuting, she's saying, everything's fine everything's going to be okay. And Jack-Jack can see, like, everything's not okay. Like, stuff is blowing up behind you, Mom. Shrapnel is flying at us that's on fire. Everything is not okay. And I, I, I say this to say, I think many Christians think, like, this is the attitude we need to have. Alas, the girls have attitude. Just, hey, everything's fine. Everything's going to be okay. We need to kind of have this carefree attitude that's not accurate, and that's not right. 
we have to, to realize and to know, like, you are going to have to deal with worry. That I can tell you, to give you hope, there are things I used to be anxious about in my life that I'm not anxious about anymore. By God's grace and his work in my life, he, he grows me out of anxieties. But this side of heaven, I'm going to have to deal with things that cause stress in my life. That's just part of life in a broken world. But I bring this up not only to give you this truth, and again, I hope this is more encouraging than, than discouraging, but, but to get us to think about maybe some of you signed up for this elective with this thought. Maybe you thought, maybe I can go to this class and just get rid of worry in my life. That maybe I can come to this class and just kind of check anxiety off the list and be like, okay, I've got that figured out. And if we start to dig down into that a little bit, maybe we're really just saying, I just want a happy, easy life. And I don't want to have to deal with all this, this junk. But here's something to think about as well. It could be that if you're praying to God and you're saying, okay, God, this thing is stressing me out. This thing is making me anxious. God, please take this away. It could be that that's the one thing that's keeping you clinging to God. That if he took that thing away, you would just go on about your life. And it's actually that one thing that's keeping you talking to God. It's kind of like if you're familiar with Paul praying for the thorn in the flesh to be removed. He says he begged and he pleaded, God, please take this away. God, remove this thorn from my side. God, help me take this from my life. And God said, no. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. This is made perfect in weakness. We have to see that there is a power in weakness. There's actually a power to say, God, I need help. I don't have this figured out. This is stressing me out, and I just I can't do it. Help. And seeing God at work in the midst of that. But, but knowing, again, that this is just part of life in a broken world. As I said, to kind of borrow the phrase from somebody else, anxiety is a normal part of an abnormal world. That it's something we're going to have to be dealing with. And, and secondly, something else I want to remind us of is that you should fear. Okay? That as we're talking about anxiety, and we've put anxiety in the category of fear, you know, we've put worry under this umbrella of fear to be reminded that Scripture talks positively about fear as well. As we said, Scripture countlessly just often says, fear the Lord. Tells us to fear the Lord. There's an author who says the entire Bible is a manual on the fear of the Lord. But then also, Jesus Christ specifically says this in Matthew 10, 28. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Jesus Christ is telling us to fear. Jesus Christ would not be telling you to do something that's sinful or that's wrong. He is telling you to fear. 
And specifically what he's getting you to think about, and if you don't listen to anything else, please hear me. It's just kind of getting at that. I mean, asking the somewhat cliched question, do you know where you're going when you die? Do you know where you're going when you die? That day is coming. It's a reality. Either that day or Jesus Christ is going to return prior to that. But Jesus is getting us to reflect on our eternity. Getting us to be sobered by the reality that one day we will face judgment. I mean, Russ talked about this. Wasn't that last night? Everything's kind of running together for me. I think it was last night. That the sobering reality, please listen. Every one of you in this room has a soul that will never die. Your soul will either dwell with Christ in heaven for all eternity, or your soul will be separated from him for all eternity. A place of unending anxiety, unending pain, unending torture, unending torment. Something that can make us uncomfortable. It's something that we kind of want to avoid because it seems kind of awkward not to talk about. Jesus Christ reminds us, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. And so getting you to just take some time and reflect on the state of your soul. It's not something you'll be like, I'll get around to that next week. Something to stop and to think about and to consider. And to also tell you, if you know you have friends here who are not believers, to be talking to them about this reality. But if you have friends that came on this trip who are not in the church at all, who do not profess faith in Jesus Christ, I'm so glad they're here. We want those people here, but getting you to think about this reality, getting you to talk to somebody about this reality before this week's over, this is not something to put to the side, but to see there is a healthy fear that we need to have. And then... Number three, as we spent some time on this, looking at this a little bit more, fleshing this out just a little bit more, part of the reason I wanted you guys to think about a theology of pain, not just because it's reality, and not just, you know, to get somebody to change the elective sign out there, um, that I've caused so much stress in your life, which I did appreciate, it is funny, whoever did it. Um, There's statistics, there's uh, research, there are books that have been published telling us that, you know, students who grow up in the church, when they get to college, leave the church. And we've seen a lot of studies on that. And some people think that part of the reason for that, not the only reason, is that churches have not prepared students to suffer. And so when students go to college and they begin to suffer, they're thinking, what was the point of all that church stuff I was doing? You know, didn't that make me... Uh, you know, get on God's good side, and now why am I suffering? And so that, that's what some of the research has shown us. And so to give you that understanding, uh, to have you think theologically about pain and suffering in your life. I want to put a picture up here, but I want to warn you guys before I put it up there um, that it's somewhat graphic, not too bad. Um, those who were in my elective last year I had neck surgery a couple of years ago, and so it's a picture of an incision that they made in my neck. It's not that violent or that graphic or anything like that, but I do want to just tell you before I put it up there, and yes, I'm partially doing this to wake you up a little bit, but there's an illustration in this, okay? So look, 
Here's the picture. It's not that bad, right? It's a little gross, but not too bad. Um, so they uh, had to remove a disc from my C6 and C7 vertebra and put a metal plate in my spine um, that I had uh, some bone spurs that were pushing up against a nerve in my neck, and it was causing me to lose feeling in this arm. I couldn't feel my fingertips, and I would eventually lose all use of my arm. Um, and so they removed that disc and then put a metal plate in my neck. Now, question for you. It's an easy question, okay? So don't think too hard. Did this hurt? That was way too delayed. Come on. Did this hurt? Yes, absolutely. Some of the worst pain I've ever had in my life. Um, and I know some people are like, well, yes, I was drugged, okay? So I did not feel it. When I woke up, it was painful. Um, to, to drink anything for like three days was excruciating. Um, it was really painful. Um, second question. Were the doctors trying to help me? Good. That was better. Yes, they absolutely were. Okay. I'm not trying to be overly graphic, okay? I promise you. The doctors literally slit my throat open. Okay. They had to move muscles to the side and then move my esophagus over to get to my spine. They did not do that because they're like, hey, let's slit this guy's throat open, and they just love violence. They did that to help me. Listen, the doctors knew if I did not do this, eventually, most likely, they would just have to cut my arm off. Because once the nerves just went dead, I mean, I would just lose use of this arm. So they did this to help me. Okay, what you have to see, and I'll take this off, in a very similar way, this is how God uses pain in your life. Pain is like a scalpel in the hand of God. He knows there's something in you that's hurting you. He knows there's something in you that's destroying you. And he allows pain and suffering in your life to help you. Just like doctors had to inflict pain upon me to help me. And so thinking of God's, you know, sovereignty over pain. And look, there's so many questions that can come up for this that go beyond the scope of this class. Someone tell me, what does the word sovereign mean? Can anyone tell me what the word sovereign means? Everybody's too tired? Okay. Yes. Okay. No, kind of. I mean, it could fit into that, but that's a good answer, and thank you for speaking up because nobody else did too. Okay. Almighty, he's powerful. Yes, did somebody over here say something? Okay, ruling over everything. If you think of what always helps me, the word reign is in sovereign, and you think of a king reigning over his kingdom. So God is reigning and ruling over everything, including your pain. And sometimes that can baffle us and think, you know, God is good. Why, why would he allow this in our, in our lives? What's more terrifying to think about is what if God was not in control of your pain? That's terrifying. To think that something is happening in your life that's causing pain and God's not in control of it, that's terrifying. But to know, okay, this thing is happening in my life. It is causing me pain. I do not understand why it's going on, but I know God's good. And I know he's over it. To, to know and to think about God being sovereign over this. And part of 
how God uses our pain is to draw us closer to him. And that leads us to our fourth truth, to draw us closer to himself. And we get closer to God. One of the ways in which we can get closer to God, deepen our relationship with God, is by having him talk to us through the Bible and having us talk back to him in prayer. To have this relationship with him. And to to be reminded, as I said, when pain comes into our life, oftentimes we can just try to numb that pain. Pain comes into our life, as we talked about the Avengers yesterday, looking at the ways in which they dealt with pain, thinking about your daily life. Something comes about in your life and you just want this thing to stop. And so you just distract yourself with Netflix or distract yourself with just kind of hanging out with friends all the time and never stopping and thinking about it again. Those things can be a grace from God. Those things can be a good thing. But to also see that one of God's primary purposes of pain is to draw you to himself, to deepen your relationship with him. Uh, Look at this verse, Psalm 119, verse 71. It is good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. We can read verses like this. We can know verses like this. You can hear me say them. But we need to stop and think about the insanity of a verse like this to the world. Like, this is crazy, right? It was good for me to have pain. Like, who says that? It was good for me to be afflicted, to go through this horrible thing. But the psalmist is saying, so that I might understand God's word more. One of my seminary professors said the Bible would not make sense apart from pain. That pain and suffering actually helps us to understand God's word more. So we need to see that God's word can and does bring peace in our life. Look, here's some helpful verses. If you want to jot these down, look. I don't want you just like on social media, but if you pull up your phones and take a picture of this, I'm completely fine with that. If you keep your phones out for the rest of the class, I know you're like playing Fortnite or something like that. So just taking a picture of this could be helpful. There are plenty of verses to be reflecting on and thinking about, but these can be some helpful verses. And I think, did I put all of Psalm 119 up there? Yeah, as a list just, I mean, the entire book of the Psalms, you could camp out there, but... To see like Psalm 119, does anybody off the top of their head know how many verses are in Psalm 119? Saw your hand go up. What? 127, nope. Anybody? Nope, good guess. Nope. Nope, okay. Some people are like flipping and looking. Cheaters, I think it's 174, 176. I always forget. Somewhere, somebody can, what is it? 76? Um, it breaks it into sections, and so when I have Psalm 119 there, you can read just one section at a time. You don't have to read it all, um, all 176 verses. But getting you to reflect on God's Word. Listen, there have been times in my life, one time recently, when I was very anxious about something, and just feeling very overwhelmed, and I took out God's Word, and I read a psalm and prayed a psalm to my own soul, prayed a psalm back to the Lord, and felt peace. And I don't want to say that and make you think, hey, if you start reading the Bible, all your anxiety is going to disappear. That's not what I'm saying. But could it be that the eternal supernatural word of God could actually help us? Yes. 
that if you're like me, there are times where I read the Bible and I think I have no idea what I just read. I can't even remember what I just read. But you need to realize that the Bible works apart from your understanding of it. The Bible is a supernatural book that works, that gets truth in you and can help you in the midst of your suffering. And that leads us to our next truth, to grow our knowledge of God. To grow our knowledge of God. There's a quote from John Calvin that I've reflected on a lot, that I've thought about a lot, that constantly comes back up, and it is this, that to know self, we must know God, and to know God, we must know self. Now listen again, to to know self, we must know God. Listen, there's a sense in which you cannot know yourself if you don't know God. We are created in God's image. And so growing in our knowledge of God helps us also understand ourselves. But then also some of what he's getting at is this, that I could call on one of you right now and say, what does the word righteous mean? And we'd have some idea or some definition, but there's a sense in which you don't know what that means. It's kind of beyond you. But you do know what unrighteousness means. And you look at yourself, your unrighteous hearts, to better understand righteousness. That's kind of what John Calvin is getting at. Does that make sense? Looking back at ourselves to help us know God more deeply. And what's interesting as we're bringing this up in the midst of anxiety is to think this is where Jesus Christ went when he was talking about anxiety in Matthew 6. That as he's talking about anxiety, he ends here. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. As Jesus Christ, who's pretty smart for the record, is talking about anxiety, he points us here to this knowledge of God. Let me ask you this question. Does anyone know what the most frequent command in Scripture is? Well, what is the most frequent command in Scripture? Does anyone know? Somebody say Do not be afraid. There's some variation of that. Do not fear. That is the most frequent command in Scripture. Do not be afraid. But here's a question for you. Listen, who cares? Who cares? Because some of you might not want to ask that question, but, but, if, but some of you out there might be thinking, well, my parents are getting a divorce, and I'm afraid. So God can say, do not fear, but I'm afraid. Um, my friend is, is really sick, or my family member has this disease. I'm afraid. So what does that have to do to help your anxiety? What does do not fear coming from God have to do with your stress? I think it warrants another question is us saying, well, who is it who can make this claim? Right? Who is it who is telling you not to fear? Reflecting on who God is. Maybe this will help. Just imagine that you're driving in your car or if you cannot drive, you're riding with someone in their car, and the car breaks down. And you pull over to the side, you pop the hood, you get out, and as you lift up the hood, smoke is just pouring out. And you're thinking, great, I love car trouble, it's the best. And then somebody walks up, and they're like, hey, 
don't worry about it. Don't fear. You'd be like, well, who are you? <laughs> because I am, you know, frustrated at this right now in my life. And if they said, well, I'm a mechanic, you'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, you can make that claim. You know, in an infinitely greater way, when God says, do not fear, you can listen to that. When God is saying, do not fear, he's the one who's like, hey, just a reminder, I have Satan on a leash. He's the one who's like, hey, um, you know death? Well, I killed it. And so God can make that claim. Like, I'm afraid of death. I'm afraid of this going on. Well, God's like, hey, I took care of that. I sent my son to go to a cross to then raise again from the dead and spit in death's face, and I've killed it. And so getting you to reflect on this just a little more pointedly, listen, if you're overly anxious, and, and maybe sometimes you hear, okay, do not fear, and you're thinking about, okay, growing in the knowledge of God, maybe, maybe you don't know God. Maybe you don't know who he is. And maybe actually growing who this God is, growing your understanding of what he's done for you as a loving father, could actually bring you peace in the midst of anxiety. And so encouraging you to grow your knowledge of God and to also think just kind of practically, as we read, you know, to cast our anxieties upon God, just go to God and to, to pray to him and to know like our prayers do not have to be fancy prayers. I mean, a prayer can be, help me, God. Help me. Please help me. Give me strength. That can be a prayer. But to also encourage you to, to consider prayers of adoration. Could somebody tell me what does adoration mean? Yes. Praising God. I've, okay, so look, here, here's the example. Say there's something in your life that's really stressing you out, and you're just saying, God, please remove this. God, please take this thing away. This thing is going on in my life, and it's just causing me so much stress, and it's causing me so much pain. It's okay to voice those to God. Okay, but sometimes what you're doing is you're just continuing to manifest worry by just focusing on that situation. And so when I say pray a prayer of adoration, turn your focus off of the situation and on to God. And to say, God, you are all powerful. God, you're in control. God, this situation did not surprise you. God, and you're starting to remind yourself of who God is in the midst of that. Does that make sense? Is everybody tracking with me on that, those of you who are still awake? And then the next truth, look, number six, is to look to the future. And some of you might be thinking, okay, John, we talked the other day, Jesus Christ in Matthew 6 saying, do not worry about tomorrow, do not think about the future because there's enough trouble today. Well, getting us to look beyond that, to, to look to eternity, to think of heaven in the midst of our daily lives. To look at a verse like this, Revelation 21, 3 and 4. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and he will wipe away every tear. I'm sorry, he will, be, he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. To, to think about that reality. I mean, to take 
that one verse or part of a verse, practically speaking, just telling you, when you look at he will wipe away every tear from your eyes, just ask yourself, what makes you cry? What sort of things are going on in your life that are painful? And start bullet pointing those things. And start looking at this is going on, this is stressing me out, this is horrible, this is embarrassing. Start listing those things out and say, these things will not be in heaven. These things will not be there. You're never going to pull out your smartphone and see you were the one person who wasn't invited to the party. Like, that's not going to happen anymore. All the relational baggage you're dealing with. I know some of you here, you really wish you could get into this group, whatever that group is. And maybe they're not even that mean. Maybe they're kind of cordial to you. They're somewhat kind, but you can tell like they just don't really welcome me in this group, and I wish I could be a part of that group. Like That's not going to be there in heaven. You're not going to be lying awake in bed at night, not, not able to sleep because of whatever the thing is that makes you miserable. And so you toss and turn all night long, and then you wake up groggy the next morning going into the doors of a building. It's just miserable to you. That's filled with all sorts of anxiety over guilt, over, so we talked about body image stuff, all of that is going away. All of it will not exist. But you know what the best part is? You get to meet Jesus Christ. And we can think about all of these amazing things which are good to reflect upon, but can you imagine actually looking into the eyes of the man who bled and died on a cross for you? Of actually getting to embrace this man who even though we spit in his face, even though we run in another direction, even though we turn to all of these things to give us joy that only he can give us, he still died for us. And we get to see him and we get to meet him and we get to say thank you for purchasing a place of unending joy a place that has no more anxiety, no more stress, complete, perfect peace and unity. And so part of a theology of pain is getting you to say goodbye to this world. Part of a theology of suffering is getting you to say, okay, this world is great, this world is fun, I hope you had a lot of fun last night with your group, but this world is pathetic compared to the next life. This world is a joke. And so a, a theology of pain is getting you to say, I was not made for this world. I was not made for a world with all of this sorrow. I was made for the next life, and I'm ready to get there. I'm ready to go there now. Paul talks about some of this in Philippians 1, of just wanting to get there now. And so getting you in the midst of your stress to think about, there's a day coming when all of it's going away. And then lastly, as I finish up, is this, you need help. Um, oftentimes, when, when I was in youth ministry, I would tell my, my students, especially my, my juniors and seniors, I would say, none of you impress me, so stop trying to. None of you have your life together, so stop acting like you do. You may post all kinds of stuff on social media to act like you've got it together or whatever it is. All of you have junk going on on the inside. And if you're like, well, no, I don't. Well, that book over there says you do. And we need help. 
And so ultimately what I'm getting you to see is you need the church. And some of you might have just like vomited in your mouth when I said that. Because I'll, I'll share this. When I was in high school, to my shame, I told some of my friends, I cannot wait to get to college so I don't have to go to church anymore. And thankfully, God graciously slapped me across my face to show me what an idiot I was being. And I can tell you at this point in my life, I thank the Lord for the church and his beautiful design of the church. And so telling you, listen, whatever it is you're anxious about, whatever it is that stresses you out, talk to your pastor, talk to a youth worker, talk to a godly mentor in your life, talk to your parents, talk to a trusted friend. Talk to them about what you're anxious about. And as some of you, it's obviously a very vulnerable thing to share. Um, but some of you, and, and Richie Sessions said something like this at our uh, Colorado conference, that some of you are really embarrassed about things that you're afraid of. You know, or maybe it's something you've done in your past that you just feel so ashamed and guilty of, and it's just causing this anxiety all the time. And it could be that once you actually share it with somebody, they can tell you, hey, look, I struggle with the same thing. Or, hey, I did something similar to that. And you actually get to hear, listen, you're not alone. That we all struggle in various ways with various things. Maybe the most obvious statement I'll make in this class is this. Satan is the biggest punk on the face of the planet. And, and what I mean by that is, if you're a child of God, Satan knows he's already lost. But what Satan wants to do, it's rain, everybody, just for the record, just to let you all know, that's what that is. Um, what Satan wants to do is to make you miserable for the rest of your life. And so how he often does that is to get you to keep your mouth shut and to talk to no one about your problems. And so encouraging you to seek people out in your life that you can trust and you can talk and share your stresses and anxiety with them. Because oftentimes God uses other people to show you your blind spots in your life. To, to say, hey, listen, I know you're struggling with this. Have you ever actually thought about this? And getting you to think in a different way, they're going to serve lunch. I'm sorry you guys have to go in the rain, by the way. Um, that's going to be rough. So getting other people to help you see things that you cannot see. But again, seeing the beauty of the church. And I know, listen, some of you may be saying, okay, John, I'd love to talk to my parents, but I don't have a mother in my life. I'd love to talk to my parents, but I don't have a father. I come from a broken home. Again, that's the beauty of the church. If you're a child of God, you do have spiritual mothers and fathers who are just as much family as anyone. It doesn't matter what skin color they have. It doesn't matter what their last name is. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, they are family. And they want to talk to you. And they want you to come and talk to them. And so see your family in Christ. All right, now look, I need to go ahead and, and end because I know you guys are really excited about getting out in this rain uh, to get lunch. Um, I got Paul David Tripp. You've heard me quote a little bit. Um, I've heard him give a lecture one time, and he said, you know, it's important to have electives like this, but what's more important is what happens after the class. 
what you do when you leave. And so giving you some tools as you leave that can be hopefully encouraging to you. I mean, one book up here, listening to some books, this book called Suffering by Paul David Tripp. Again, I know everyone's like, yes, I just want to read about suffering. Um, there's only two copies of this. I don't know if one's already sold, but this is one of them. If you look at the table on this side over here, it has a lot of books just on grief and suffering that, again, we don't often like to talk about. But as Paul David Tripp says, we're either in the midst of suffering right now or we're about to get into suffering. And that's the reality of life that we've got to, to reflect on. But it can be helpful. Um, this book, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness by Tim Keller, um, it's a booklet that deals with a lot of, of what we've mentioned in here. It's very short. Another booklet, I know this seems like self-promotion. This is a book that I wrote uh, called Insecure. And I wanted to share this with you because seventh grade was miserable for me. I was made fun of so bad that I was physically ill when I would wake up and go to school in the mornings for months because people made fun of so much about me. Uh, when I got into high school, I was diagnosed with ADD and I was humiliated by that. And so I share some of just my story to hopefully get you to see you're not alone, but then also what the Lord has taught me in the midst of that. And so I wrote this specifically for middle school and high school students. It's actually the first book written by RYM that we've published as a ministry. And so I just say that to say hopefully some of this could be helpful for you. Uh, the Tim Lane book that I mentioned, Living Without Worry, it's sold out, but there should be some copies in by this afternoon. So evening worship tonight, you can pick those up back there. Ken will know where they are. Um, any questions uh, before, we, before I pray for us? Any heresy I need to correct? Um, anything I said that needs to be clarified that you were just confused by? Yes. Sometimes you get stressed out. What? what was it? Okay. So the question helped me. If I, if I'm, you said, how do you help someone else who's dealing with stress? Because sometimes, as you're dealing with them, you start to get stress in the midst of it. Um, let me pray for us. Let's bow our heads. No, I'm kidding. That's a great question. Um, <laughs> I was just joking. I think I do that like every year, every elective. It, it works every time. Um, that's a great question. Part of it, you know, you think, I guess a verse that comes to mind is, is talking about Paul telling us to bear each other's, bear each other's burdens, that, that part of just our calling as Christians is to enter into brokenness with other people, to enter into suffering. And so there's a sense in which we're called to, to enter into a stressful environment with a person and say, you know, this is tough, this is hard on me, uh, but but just your presence being with that person could be a deep comfort. Um, you know, obviously, you know, prayer, obviously pointing them to some of these truths, the truths of Scripture. But something we do need to see as Christians, you know, I, I'm, I've had those moments, I'm sure you had, where there's tragedy, people are going through difficult things, and you're like, I don't want to say something stupid. I'm trying to think of something encouraging. I'm serious. Just you being physically present with another person that's suffering, and you don't say a word, that can be all you need to do. It's just reminding them, I'm here for you, you're not alone, and I'm with you. And so not to overlook or to downplay just being present in somebody's life. So that's, that's something I would say, as well as, you know, just continuing to pray like crazy 
uh, for them in the midst of whatever it is that they're dealing with? It's a great question. Thank you for asking that. Um, I know you guys, it's already 11. So if anyone else has questions, please come up. You can ask them. Um, I'm here, you know, all day. Uh, so feel free to ask me if you see me uh, walking around. Um, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for coming to the class. Thanks for also interacting, asking questions, answering questions. That's helpful in a room this size to try to engage you guys and to, to keep you focused. It helps uh, to interact. So thank you all for that. Let me pray for us. Um, Father, we thank you so much, again, for your, your care of your children. Uh, we thank you for your goodness. Uh, we thank you uh, for your word. That is such a treasure uh, in the midst of uh, a broken world. Um, I pray uh, that you would uh, give us the grace uh, to, to believe your truth, uh, to believe your goodness when our circumstances are screaming at us to believe otherwise. Um, give us uh, the strength to, to remain faithful in this earthly calling you've given us, uh, to be friends to those who are suffering, uh, to seek out people in our lives when we are suffering that can help us and guide us along. Um, I pray that the truth of your gospel uh, would shine through a lot, so much of what we've discussed that students and chaperones, myself included, would see your gospel in a deeper light, to see how your gospel speaks to our anxieties and gives us hope and peace in the midst of so much uh, we deal with uh, in this life, this broken world. Uh, we thank you, Father, most of all for your son, Jesus Christ, who lived the perfect life, died the perfect death, rose again conquering death, and has purchased salvation for us. We praise you for his name, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.